Welcome to the Burn Your Mortgage Podcast, a Canadian real estate podcast that shows you how to pay off your mortgage sooner and live well while doing it. Now, here's your host, Sean Cooper. Welcome to the Burn Your Mortgage Podcast. I'm Sean Cooper, and it's great to be back for another episode. On today's show, I'll be talking to Alan Witten. Alan, aka Big Cajun Man, has been writing about finance, child disabilities, RESPs, and consumerism on his blog, Canadian Personal Finance Blog, for over a decade. He's a homeowner in Ottawa who's married with four kids. He's been featured in the Globe and Mail, the Toronto Star, and Money Sense. In my interview with Alan, we discuss dealing with double-digit mortgage rates, why downsizing doesn't always make sense, and the right way to help adult children buy their first homes. Without further ado, here's my interview with Alan Witten. Hi, Alan. How are you doing today? Oh, good, good. That's great to hear. We were just chatting a bit before the show, but you have a quite an interesting story in terms of how you decided to purchase a home. I understand that your parents were a bit of an inspiration for you. Perhaps you could tell me your parents' journey to home ownership and how they inspired you to become a homeowner yourself. Well, I mean, my parents were, are immigrants, so I'm, I'm the actually only born Canadian in, in the family. I mean, they emigrated in 1958. They'd sort of been homeowners in the UK, but they ended up looking at uh, buying a house in, in the Montreal area around 1962. And at the time, I mean, my father had a good job, but my mother wasn't working and they didn't really have enough money to do a classic just down payment and buy the house. So they actually had to get a second down payment, which at the time, I mean, in the early 60s, you had to go to some very interesting sort of off the beaten path lenders. I don't think they were quite loan sharks, but they were they were definitely interesting folk. And I mean, my mother tells the story of a gentleman appearing at the door one day and just saying, I'd like to see the house. And he said he was from the this second lender. So my father worked very hard to make sure that the second mortgage got paid off and the first mortgage paid that off and, and worked very hard for it. They showed me the value of owning the house or having a house and then having the house paid off and and living in a paid off house and the benefits that they had with it. That's where I got my ideas about why I wanted to buy a house once I started uh, with a family as well. So that pride of ownership was really important for your parents. Is, Is that correct? Owning a property versus renting? Yeah, I, at the time, they wanted to feel like they had something and, and it was theirs. And once it was paid off, they did a fair amount of renovating, adding to the structure itself. But it was very much the house that they were going to live in. And I mean, my mother still lives in it today, 55 odd years later. It showed me what homeownership meant. I moved to Ottawa after I graduated from university and my wife and I started a family and we decided we were living in a a small rental unit and decided, well, we we really should be looking at houses. And back then, I mean, this was the early nineties. We got an amazing rate on a five-year mortgage of 12%. You know, I, I, I talk to the guys that I I work with, the younger folk I work with, and I try to point that out. They're going, how did you pay that off? And I'm going, I don't know. That was what you had to pay to buy a house. 
my parents were very kind and actually loaned us some money so that we actually had enough so that we had a full down payment and didn't have to pay any of the CMHC insurance money. It made it a little easier, but I mean, the first five years living in, in our first house was, was at a 12% mortgage rate, which is pretty darn high. And after that, interest rates had dropped a lot. So I, I went to a variable rate mortgage and that made life a lot simpler. Suddenly my mortgage payments were lower, but then we increased them to pay more of the principal off at the time. But our family kept growing. And with that, what we bought was a real starter home. It was a lovely home, but it wasn't big enough. So we decided we needed to get a larger home. My career at Nortel was doing well. So we, we decided to get another home, a bigger home. And that's the house we're in right now. We've been in this home for now 20 odd years. It's been quite the journey, starting with that incredibly high interest rate, now having a mortgage that's, what, 3% now we're paying on it, 3.5%, which is just astounding compared to the initial 12% that we were paying. Gosh, it's funny. Some people complain, oh, mortgage rates are above 2.99%. They're not in the 2% anymore, but I'm sure for you, mortgage rates in the 3% range or even the 4% range is a pretty good deal compared to what you were paying in terms of 12%. Yeah. And how did we do it? I'm not sure. I mean, we just did what we did. I mean, that's the way it worked, unfortunately. And money seems to expand and contract to whatever you need to pay for it these days, unfortunately. But yeah, the housing market itself, I'm one of the people that seems to think that owning a house is a good thing. It, it, I don't view it as an investment, but it's a good thing to have. Can my kids afford houses? I don't know. I mean, looking at the prices of houses in Toronto and even in Ottawa here, going up the way they are, and the, the salaries that you're seeing and the lack of benefits that people are getting in their jobs... I don't know how people are going to afford these houses, but where I live in Ottawa, which is Ottawa South Barhaven, houses are going up all over the place. It used to be a lot of farmland around us, but now each of the farmer's field is turning into these huge condominium areas. I don't know where these people all work, but the houses are selling and the the market is not depressed in any way, shape or form here right now. Yeah, I guess the younger generation is finding a way to buy and we'll touch on that later on in the podcast ways for parents to help out their adult children getting into the housing market. But uh, yeah, just something I wanted to touch on. I'm curious with your starter home, I guess that was just really a good home for just your wife and yourself and maybe one child. But did you really anticipate when you moved up in the market for that to be your forever home? Like what were some of the things that you considered when you moved up to the bigger house that you've been in for 20 years now and perhaps some advice for people kind of looking for their next property when they're looking at growing their family. When we actually decided to finally move, we'd actually thought we'd finished with our family size and we had three daughters had been born, but we definitely decided that the house really wasn't going to be big enough as the kids got older. So we started looking at other houses and we actually put the originally put the house on the market for about a year and it didn't sell. Now this was in the 1997, 98. And there was definitely a market sort of lull there and that kind of house wasn't selling. And we had some weird things happen where people walked in and we thought we'd priced it correctly. They kept saying, oh, well, you need to change this or you need to fix that. And the big thing seemed to be, oh, the Broadloom's terrible. And we kept saying, well, no, we're pricing it so that you can buy this house and then put in whatever Broadloom you want in there. And finally, we just went, all right, fine. And we replaced the Broadloom, put in this sort of cheapish 
carpeting that you know made the house look okay and about a month after we did that suddenly the house sold which was exciting because we hadn't actually thought the house was going to sell so then we had to suddenly start looking for a house to buy and the house we ended up with it was one of about three or four houses that were available at the time we were lucky that we sort of sold in an odd point where the market for our previous house had come up to where we actually bought the house for it. It had actually dropped in value. And the house that we were looking at, the size of that house was actually, that part of the market wasn't selling very well. So this house had actually come down at about thirty dollars or $40,000 in cost. We kind of hit the sweet spot, not by any great plan or design on our part, but we came in and we got the, the right size house for us. I mean, every, every child had a room. The house is in a nice area. And at the time, it was sort of on the outskirts of Ottawa and kind of in the booties. But now, I mean, the whole area of Barhaven has now developed fantastically. A lot of times people say, well, you've got to know where you're buying and you've got to know the area. But if you're in a community that's growing like Ottawa is, and I think anywhere in southern Ontario is, a lot of times the area will grow around you no matter what you end up doing, unless you really are buying out in, in farmer's field farther away from the community, the center of the communities and things like that. I mean, we were looking at schools in the area. We looked at a few different factors, but at the end of it, it was sort of the house that fit the best that we could actually afford that was available at the time because we suddenly had sold the previous house and hadn't really thought too much about what we were going to be buying until we were forced to do it. Well, lots of great words of wisdom there. So thanks very much for sharing that. Now, before we started recording the podcast, we're just chatting about downsizing. And perhaps, Alan, you're not ready to downsize yourself yet, but perhaps you could talk to me about whether you see yourself downsizing in the future and the challenge of basically having your children as well as your parents to look after and take care of and and your parents downsizing eventually, because I'm definitely facing the same thing with my parents. I mean, they want to stay in their home forever, but the house is falling apart. So it it seems to me something's got to give. Yeah, and definitely. You need to make a plan for what you're going to be doing in the future. I mean, I've got some friends that are definitely close enough to retirement and they're going, what am I going to do with this house? I mean, some are saying, some are going to sell their houses and they're going to rent and they're going to be snowbirds and they're going to travel. Like they're going to go to Florida maybe for the the winter and they're going to be in Ottawa or they're going to go other areas selling their house, which is paid off in a few instances. And then just renting a condominium that fits their lifestyle is the way they're, they're looking at going. In my case, I don't know. I mean, my wife and I have had these discussions, but we're not really sure of, you know, how to move forward. Uh, Like I was telling you before, I mean, my mother is still in the same house that I grew up in. Now, given her age, she shouldn't really be in this house, but she doesn't really want to leave it anymore because it really is sort of a psychological thing for her. She wants to stay in the house. Planning what you're going to do with your house once your kids have finally moved out. And in my case, I mean, my kids... I have three kids that are in their 20s and then a a teenager. When are they going to all move out? Well, you know, the teenager is going to be here for a while longer. And my other kids are going to move back in maybe and visit or, you know, what do you want to have? Do you want to have a a place where people can really only visit for a short period of time? Or do you want to stay in in the house that you're in and maybe make it a little more economical to run? Not sure. It's all up to what you want to do, but you definitely have to have a plan in mind of what you're going to do. Are you going to downsize? How are you going to retire? Or how are you going to deal with this? You need to have a plan for the house 
in some fashion or another going forward? Are you going to stay in it? If you're going to stay in it, how are you going to make it so that you can stay in it? When you reach my age, you start realizing your body isn't necessarily going to hold together as well as it did when you were 40. I mean, my knees are pretty bad. We have stairs in this house. Well, should you be in a house like this or maybe should you be in a bungalow? That's something to think about. I mean, bungalows sound like a great idea now. <laughs> they weren't back when I was looking at houses, but now I'm thinking, you know, it'd be nice to have a house that would, everything was on the same level so I don't have as many stairs to deal with. It really becomes, you have to plan, as with all financial stuff. I mean, you, you've talked about this enough times on your show, I'm sure, about you know, making plans and thinking about how your future is going to work. And if you think downsizing is something you want to do, make a plan on how that's going to work because... It's not something you can just sort of say, oh, I think I'm going to downsize now without any planning. Because, you know, what if your kids are thinking they're going to be moving back in? What if you need your parents to come move in with you or you need to move in with your parents to take care of them? How's that all going to work? That's some serious stuff that you can't resolve quickly. Those are all some great points that you raise. And certainly there are those wild cards of you never know what's going to happen with your parents or children in terms of moving back to your place. And yeah, I mean, speaking from personal experience, my father probably should downsize, but he just doesn't want to live leave the neighborhood that he knows and, and loves. But I certainly think a bungalow would help with him since he unfortunately can't even walk up the stairs a lot of the days. And we've kind of moved his bedroom down to the living room, which really isn't ideal, but he loves his neighborhood. So I definitely think the kind of missing middle needs to be addressed, but that's kind of a subject for another podcast, but great points oh, yeah. that you've raised. And I mean, it's the health issues, your own health issues, your family health issues, and how is that going to work as well? I mean, you know, in my case, my knees aren't great, but I'm, I'm trying to remedy the situation by trying to stay in a bit better health myself by exercising and things like that. But yeah, I mean, seniors living in, you know, houses with stairs, and, but they're also the sense of community that they have. Once you live somewhere long enough, it really does feel like home. And I mean, do you really want to move away from that community that you've enjoyed living in for that long? And it, it sounds sappy, but it is something that you really need to think about. Like, do I want to pick up stock and go somewhere else just because the house is too big? Or can I find some other way to deal with this? Find something closer in the neighborhood or who knows? It's definitely some very important topics that you need to self-reflect on. So it's just obviously not just a financial decision. Oh, yeah. Great. So moving on to the last question, we touched on it earlier in the podcast, but in terms of helping out adult children getting into the housing market, as you mentioned, it's not as easy as it used to be in the old days. And you mentioned that your parents helped you by providing some down payment money so you could avoid the mortgage insurance, but perhaps you could talk about different ways that you see being viable in terms of helping out adult children getting into the housing market because yeah, with the stress test and housing prices going up, it's not as easy as it was 10, 20 years ago. If your retirement and your debt level have all been dealt with, then yeah, I mean, if there's spare money around helping your kids get a house by loaning them the money or figuring out how you want to deal with that, that's something I think most parents will certainly think about. But the problem as a parent you also have is you've got to make sure that your retirement is taken care of. So how can you help out your kids? Maybe it means letting your kids live with you for a period of time. And in that situation, it's something I think you need to really think about whether you want your adult kids moving in with you or not, and whether both sides can deal with the other, having them there. But I mean, if you don't have the ability to give large amounts of money or you know, you're dealing with your own financial situation, that's one way of doing it. But 
I think both sides really need to sit down and have a, a solid conversation about this is going to be for a fixed period of time. And this is so that you can build up a down payment or get out of debt and, you know, get your, your finances to a point where it can be easier for you to purchase a house or something like that. Other than that, I mean, I've written a bunch of stuff saying that as a parent, you have to take care of yourself first and putting yourself in debt so that your kids have something good. Sounds like good parenting, but eh, I don't know. I'm, I'm not, I'm not really on that side of the train. You need to take care of your own financial ship. You need to make sure that you're out of debt that your house is paid off and that you have a good retirement lined up. But if you're in that situation, then yeah, definitely help out your kids as best you can. Should you give them money or should you loan them money? I don't know. If they're your kids. You need to figure that one out about whether they need to learn financial stuff that way or whether this is a, well, it's money I, I, I put aside and I didn't know what I was going to do with. And if I lose, you know, if it disappears or I never get it back, what happens? In a lot of situations, a lot of parents, the only thing they really can do is offer room and board as best they can if it's available and in, in that area. But also advice, telling your kids about how you bought your first house, what you had to do to be able to get the money to buy your first house. In a lot of situations, a lot of people have worked really hard to get that first house. You know, they've done extra jobs and things like that. Maybe their kids just understanding that, that this isn't going to be something that's going to be easy, but once you get there, then, okay, you can succeed. Even if it's just advice on how you got your first home might be helpful. Yeah, so many great pieces of advice. And one of them I just want to emphasize is just the importance of having that conversation up front, because if you don't have that conversation up front about how you're letting them live at home for a certain period of time so that they could save a down payment, perhaps they might misunderstand the opportunity and not take full advantage of it. So I certainly think it's important to have that adult conversation up front so that there's no misunderstandings. And ideally, the adult child should be taking that extra money they're saving from paying rent and saving that towards a down payment. But I guess that doesn't always happen. So, you know, rather than having a situation where parent and child are at each other's throats because there's a misunderstanding, just setting those ground rules up front and having that understanding up front is so key. Yeah, I, I think honesty and clarity with each other and just saying, okay, the reason you're here is this, so that you don't end up with the, oh, you know, why are they going out to dinner? And why, why are they not saving money and things like that? That kind of for lack of a better word, pettiness can come up in, you know, because it's family, right? And parents always think of their kids as, as they are when they're 14 years old. And oh, why aren't they, they being more careful with their money? Well, as long as you've been open with them about the reason you're here is to make sure you can get, buy a house, you got to let them do it the way they're going to do it. I mean, they, they're not going to do it the same way you, you did it. I didn't live with my parents. They helped out as, in different ways. And my wife's parents helped out as well. But yeah, having those frank conversations is not easy, but it needs to happen up front so that all sides understand why are we doing this? This is what we're doing. And there's got to be a level of trust on both sides of the, of the story. Well, Alan, it's been great having you on the show. Before I let you go, is there anything of interest that you're working on that you'd like to share with our listeners? Well, there's the infamous Canadian personal finance place. That's HTTPS Canadian Finances, C-A-N-A-J-U-N Finances.com, which is my website. Now, I haven't been writing a lot there lately just because of time and, and constraints. I'm, I'm planning on coming back to that a bit more. I'm also talking with a, a few people about a possible book on registered disability savings plans. 
But that's a moving target right now because they, the rules keep changing in that area as well. But that may be out in the next little while as well. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Burn Your Mortgage podcast. Besides being a podcast host, I'm also an independent mortgage broker. If you or anyone you know, family, friends, co-workers, or neighbors could ever use any unbiased mortgage advice or a second opinion, feel free to reach out. Email me at sean, that's S-E-A-N, at burnyourmortgage.ca or call or text me at 647-867-3711 for a free mortgage consultation. Also, be sure to head on over to www.burnyourmortgage.ca and sign up for my free weekly newsletter. As a small token of my appreciation, you'll be able to download my ultimate mortgage checklist on choosing the perfect mortgage. I look forward to hearing from you and helping you with all your mortgage needs. Once again, thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Burn Your Mortgage Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and leave a rating. Until next time, happy mortgage burning.